Good morning. We're going to be reading from Luke 1, 26 through 56. This is the birth of Jesus foretold. In the sixth month, of the, in the, sixth month the angel Gabriel was sent from God to the city of Galilee, named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph, of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord be with, is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying, and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, How may this be, since I am a virgin? And the angel answered her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore the child to... Therefore, the child to be born will be called holy, the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth, in her old age, has also conceived a son, and this is the sixth month with her, who was called barren. For nothing is impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. In those days, Mary arose and went, to, went with haste to the hill country, to a town in Judah. And she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. And when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, the baby leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. And she exclaimed with a loud cry, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And this, was why, and this is why... <laughs> And why is this granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For behold, when the sound of your greeting came to my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what, had, what was spoken to her from the Lord. And the paracope for this is Mary's song of praise, the Magnificent. My soul magnifies the Lord. And my spirit rejoices in my God, my Savior, for he has looked on the humble estate of, this, of his servant. For behold, from now on all generations will call me blessed. For who, he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. And his mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of, the heart, of their hearts. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. He has filled the hungry with good things, and the rich he has sent away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and to his offspring forever. And Mary remained with her about three months and returned home. Lord Jesus, we just lift up this time in the word. We ask for your continued anointing on Jackie as he brings the word to us. I ask for anointing on this body to each and every one of us, that our eyes be open and our ears 
be open to hear and see what the Word has for us today so that we might take it and take it to the world as we leave this place. We praise your name, Jesus. Amen. Seems only fitting that uh, the day after it snows we should do a Christmas message, right? As we, uh, as we come this morning to this text, very familiar text, um, I hope we can hear what God has for us this morning. We see in this text, I, I just want you to give you a quick outline of where we're going, hopefully maybe that helps. But one of the things we're going to see is that, one, God has a plan. The second thing we're going to see is God has the power to execute that plan. The third thing we're going to see is Elizabeth delighting in the promises of God. So her worship begins. And then in the fourth thing we're going to see is, is Mary worship. And the key, I think, behind it as we enter into this reality of having a life submitted to God and worship coming through is to recognize those first two things. God has a plan. And God has the power to execute that plan, whatever it is. As we come this morning, we begin in verse 26. It says, in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth. Might as well have been Buell. I mean, to be honest, I don't know how many of you had opportunity to be in Nazareth, but then as now, Nazareth's a, a little town. It's a small country place out of the way. In the concerns of the world, Nazareth was not on the scene at all. Nobody was worried much about Nazareth, but again, we start with this idea. God had a plan. What was it? To go to this place. You might even say it's a small town with a bad reputation. In fact, when, when asked about Nazareth, you remember Nathaniel in John chapter 1, it says, he said, can anything good come out of Nazareth? Why did he say that? Because it had a great reputation, good young guys coming out of there, no, 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 no bad seeds? No, man. That's the other side of the tracks. That's where the announcement for the coming of Messiah began, and that's where Messiah would be raised. We read about it in Luke 4. It says, and he, speaking of, of uh, 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 Joseph, Mary, and, and Jesus, he came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up. As was his custom, he went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day, and he stood up. To read. So in Luke chapter 4, we see this is Jesus' town. This is where he grew up. He grew up in a place just like the place we live in. And of all the things, all the places he could have been, all the places he could have been born, all the, the means or methods by which that could have happened, it didn't happen that way. It happened this way. Why? Just random circumstance? No, God had a plan. God has a plan, and that plan involved everything from where the announcement would be made in Nazareth. Look at verse 27. To a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph, of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. So the method came, the, the, the message came to a betrothed virgin. What that means is Mary was promised to Joseph, 
from the moment they signed a contract, when two families entered into a contract for marriage, they signed a contract. From that moment, they're married. So they're, they're, they called it betrothal until Joseph had prepared a place for Mary at his father's home. Until Joseph had built the place where they were going to live, and then he would send the bridal party to gather up Mary, and then they would live together and consummate the marriage. Until that time, though, from the time they signed the piece of paper, they were considered married. So, you have a a betrothed virgin. And there's a point for that, there's a reason for that, and that reason is this, that the Christ is not the seed of the man. If you remember Genesis chapter 3, verse 15, there's something in Latin called the Proto-Evangelicum. The Proto-Evangelicum simply means first mention of the gospel. The first mention of the gospel is when the Lord said that the seed of the woman would crush the head of the serpent, and the serpent would bruise his heel. The idea that this which began the fall of man in the book of Genesis chapter 3, that which began, that fall, would be reconciled, but it would be reconciled not by the seed of man, but the seed of a woman. Now that doesn't make any sense until you come to a little town in Nazareth and an angel visiting a young woman named Mary, who's betrothed to be wed, but is still... A virgin. Now, here's a funny thing, side note, and I can't spend a lot of time on it. If you got a lot of questions about it, come to coffee tomorrow morning and you can throw them all at me. But here is the, here is the deal. A lot of people ask questions. Why didn't they know that, that Jesus was supposed to be born of a virgin? I mean, doesn't it say that in Isaiah 7.14? And we read Isaiah 7.14. It, it says, therefore, <coughs> the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin will conceive and bear a son, and you shall call his name Emmanuel. Uh, Matthew goes on to tell us what Emmanuel means. What does it mean? God with us. And so we read that, you and I, we take that verse out of context from where it was given to the Jew, and we say, how come they didn't know? Do you ever read Isaiah 7? King Ahaz is being promised by God that there will be deliverance for his people. So God, through Isaiah, says to King Ahaz, why don't you ask the Lord for a sign? But Ahaz, in his stubbornness, won't do it. He says, no, no, I won't ask the Lord for a sign. So the prophet says this, then the Lord will give you a sign. He says, Alma, the Alma, the, the virgin, will conceive... And bear a son, and you will call his name Emmanuel. And before he learns right from wrong, you will be delivered from your enemy. So for most of the Jews at the time, that happened. It was already fulfilled. The word Alma does not have to mean virgin, some kind of miraculous birth. We're not given that concept until the book of Matthew. Matthew is the one who emphasizes the virginity of the, of the woman and points to a fulfillment of prophecy for the Christ. But Alma can mean just a young woman. Young woman has a baby. Before that baby learns right from wrong, God's going to deliver you from your enemy. And that was fulfilled in Isaiah chapter 7. So for the most part, the Jewish person was not looking for a virgin to conceive birth. 
They, they, they didn't see that. Why don't they see that? Here's one of the things we got to get into our heads. When Jesus came in the gospel, what did he come to do? Build a church? Nope. Did he come to save, to save everyone? Kind of. But what do I, what did, what, how did he come to do that? He's going to do what? Die. In order for him to die, what has to happen? He has to be what? Rejected. In fact, Paul would write in 2 Corinthians, if the rulers of this age, probably speaking of the angelic host in opposition to what God was doing, if the rulers of this age knew what was going on, they would have never crucified the Lord of glory. Don't you remember Paul said, I wish they could see, but now it's hidden from their eyes? When is the veil taken off? The veil is taken off when we have apostles and disciples on the scene whom Jesus promised that they would be filled with the Spirit and be able to write and open Scripture like never before. And so what does Matthew do? Matthew takes that Scripture. He quotes from Isaiah 7.14, Matthew 1.23, and he says, Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son. He uses the word parthenos. only thing parthenos can mean is a virgin. Matthew is saying, here's the emphasis I want you to understand about the Christ child. His birth will be miraculous. And the reason he focuses on that is he wants your attention on the child. There's something different about this child than any other child. There's something special. Matthew is trying to open up the world's eyes to see, believe, and receive. And the birth of, of belief coming through the message that they give brings forth the church. Now, salvation moves forward. But prior to that time, prior to the resurrection of Christ, Jesus came to die. He came to be rejected. Sometimes we look at the Jew and we think, why are they so dumb? Why don't they get it? We have the advantage of the New Testament, the lens through which to look at the Old. And all of a sudden, all those things that were hidden start to become clear to us. We get to look backwards. They didn't have that advantage. Their eyes were blinded. For what purpose? So that God, who loved the world, could give His only begotten Son... So that whoever believes on him would not perish, but have everlasting life. Jesus came to die. Don't you ever wonder why he'd get 5,000 people following him, and he's got all these people who are stoked about him, and everybody's there, and all of a sudden he chased them away? Why is he chasing them away? Why is he giving hard teachings? Why is he laying those things out? Some people want to tell you that, that those are the things that we should be applying to ourselves today. But I, I would say you're pulling it out of context to do that. Jesus chased them away with difficult teachings to say, I came to die. You're going to reject me. But what happened after the resurrection? The day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit is breathed out on the disciples. They move forth in power. And now, those same people who crucified Jesus, those same people who were shouting crucify Him, what did they do? They heard the message. The Bible says they were, they were smote in the heart. Their hearts were broken for what they had done. And what happened? Salvation came. He saved. It was the long game, not the short game. It was the long game that Jesus Christ came to do. But there was a plan. And the plan included a city named Nazareth. And the plan included a betrothed virgin named Mary. 
who was an absolute, there's, there's no question in the Greek, folks. We, we, there's no sense in arguing over it. No question in the Greek. She was a virgin. And we see here in verse 27, there was a plan also for him to be of the house of David, right? He has a connection to the king. <coughs> He's going to be the king. Why? Because throughout Scripture, there have been these promises that one day, through the seed, not plural, singular, through the seed of David, there was a particular seed coming of the line of David that God would establish the kingdom forever. And that seed was going to be raised in a town on the wrong side of the tracks called Nazareth by a woman who was a virgin when she got pregnant named Mary. And he was going to deliver his people from their sins. That was the purpose for which he came. It's interesting, in chapter 3 we'll spend a little bit more time on the genealogy, but let me say this. He, his flesh was tied to the, to the line of David through Mary. You're going to have Mary's uh, genealogy in Luke chapter 3. But legally, legally through adoption of Joseph, he is in the kingly line. Joseph provides the kingly line, but, but he, he bypasses the curse of Jeconiah. We'll talk about that later. He bypasses the curse of Jeconiah, or you can ask me questions later. Um, by being birthed through Mary's line, the seed of a woman coming f- through virgin birth, and he has the legal right to kinghood by being adopted by his stepdad, Joseph. That gives him the right to become a king. Well, let's look at the angel's words. Remember, God has a plan. What's that plan? We got a virgin, we got Nazareth, he's going to have a connection to the king. Look at the angel's word. And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. <clears throat> but she was greatly troubled at the saying, trying to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. So the next thing, the next plan of God was the words that the angel was going to bring. What's included in those words? This, God's view of Mary. What was God's view of Mary? Highly favored. I like that. You know that's not an uncommon phrase. Uh, it, it is and it is. I mean, it's not something that God necessarily has said to everyone. Although in John 3.16, he has the concept that God so what? The world? Love the world, right? So you see the same thing with Solomon. He changed his Solomon's name to Jedediah. Why? Because he wants to tell him, you're beloved of God. When he, when he comes to Daniel, Daniel has a hard life. What does he tell Daniel? You're beloved of God. You're highly favored. God tells this to the people that are going to go through some of the most difficult circumstances in their life. So when we sit back and we say, man, I want God to tell me I'm his highly favored one. That's cool. Just means the path you're going to walk is going to be difficult. Being God's highly favored was never an easy walk. We'll see, you'll see what I mean as we, as we go on. Now it's funny, <clears throat> because usually you get to this phrase, she was greatly troubled at the saying, she didn't know what kind of greeting this was. And people talk about a bunch of craziness about men shouldn't talk to women or, or something in that culture. And maybe, maybe there's something to all that, I don't know. Let's just make it simple, okay? I like simple. Dude, she's talking to an angel. 
Which one of you wouldn't freak out talking to an angel? I think it's Bible speak for, yeah, she's about to come unglued. She was greatly troubled, not moderately uh, uncomfortable. Greatly troubled. Why? God hasn't spoke for 400 years, and she wasn't at the temple when, Ze- when the angel, the same angel, talked to Zechariah, right? She's not there. So the first time God speaks, there's an angel standing in front of her, talking to her. Yeah, she's getting a little bit on edge. You would too. You would too. Man, why do, I, why do I think that's the case? What's the next thing the angel says? Don't be afraid. What's the next thing the angel always says when it talks to somebody? Every time an angel talks to somebody, there's a moment of freaking out, and then there's what? Don't be afraid. <laughs> Don't be afraid. So I just want to say there's probably something a little scary about the whole experience. Yeah? I think so. I think so. And I think that's what's going on here. Hey, she's visited by an angel. That just doesn't happen every day. So she, she's just a little, a little on edge, set on edge by that. Now look, the angel said to her, don't be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. Twice he says, man, God really loves you. God really has, listen, God really has a plan for your life. But let me tell you this, it's not going to be what she thinks. Is it? It's not going to end how she thinks. It's not going to go to that point. I doubt she's even thinking about the next few months. What's, what's that mean? But God wants her to know, before this all starts, Mary, I just want you to know, I love you. Why does God want to tell her that? Because there's going to be times where she says, I don't know if God loves me. And before she has those thoughts... God says to her, I want you to know. Now, he does the same thing for us, right? John 3, 16, God so loved how many, who? The word, last I checked, we're all in the world. Yes or no? Some of you are from a different planet, apparently. <laughs> but the rest of us from earth, the, the, the Lord says, hey, I love, I love you so much, I gave you my son, right? So there are times when we're going to question God's plan. And we're going to say, I don't know if God loves me. There's some things we can learn from Mary. Zephaniah chapter 3, guys, verse 14 to 17, is a similar concept. And I just want you to see the beauty behind it as we look at the rest of what the angel says. It says, sing aloud, <coughs> O daughter of Zion. Shout, O Israel, rejoice and exult with all your heart, O daughter of Jerusalem. For the Lord has taken away the judgments against you. He has cleared away your enemies. The King of Israel, the Lord, is in your midst. You shall never again fear evil. On that day it shall be said to Jerusalem, Fear not, O Zion, let not your hands grow weak. The Lord your God is with you, in your midst. A mighty one who will save. He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will quiet you by His love. He will exult over you with loud singing. Highly favored one. Then he talks about the child. Look at verse 31. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you will call his name Yehoshua. Yehoshua means God is salvation. God is salvation. In fact, Scripture goes on to tell us why why is she calling him Jesus? Yehoshua. Why does she call him that? Because he will save his people from their 
sins. God is salvation. He will save his people. This is the message the angel has. You're gonna, you're gonna have child. You're gonna call his name Jesus. And then he goes on, verse 32, he will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there will be no end. So we have several promises being linked to this point. First, he focuses on the greatness of the child. He will be called the Son of the Most High. Should be no question of who the Most High is, right? He'll be called the Son of the Most High. In fact, in Luke 8, 28 and in Acts 16, both of those scriptures, you have reference to demons who knew who Jesus was. And what do they both call him? Son of the Most High. Oh, you're Son of the Most High. So they recognize who He is. This is His greatness. His greatness. In fact, John... I can't do it. <laughs> but I'm going to anyway. John John calls Him the Monogonaeus. Monogonaeus. People trip over this concept all the time. Jesus is the only begotten Son of the Father. But the, but, but the church tradition tells us he's begotten, not made. And everybody struggles with that idea ever since translators decided to put the word begotten in Scripture. Well, begotten, the word is monogonaeus. Monogonaeus means one of a kind. There's no one else like him. Transcendent. Beyond any comprehension that we might have. He's the monogonaeus of God. The one and only. In fact, Sometime, if you have time, we'll take a little journey through the Old Testament and we'll talk about all the appearances of Jesus throughout the Old Testament where He is defined as the Word of God who stood before men and gave them the message from the Father. The one and only, Monogonaeus, only begotten Son of the Most High. It also says here He's going to have a throne. God's going to give Him the throne of His father David. Psalm 89, 2 Samuel chapter 7, both of those refer to a promise from God through David that there would be a seed that would reign forever and ever. There was a dream Daniel had. You remember? He saw the statues. Remember the statue that represented all the kingdoms of this world? And that statue, every kingdom of the world was always degenerating from something precious to something worthless. And as that was going on, there was a stone not cut out by hands, it smote the dragon, or smote the dragon, hit the statue, Woo! yeah, I'm, I'm mixing my metaphors, hit the statue on the foot, and blew it up into powder, and then it grew into a mountain that filled the whole earth. Mountains another system or picture of kingdom. What's he saying? There's a kingdom coming better than all the earthly kingdoms, and it will have no end. Who's the king of that kingdom? Jesus. He's going to sit on the throne of his father David. He's going to sit on the throne. This is the one. This is the, the once and future king. Goes on and says, His glory of his kingdom, there will be no end. Isaiah 9-7 says, Of the increase of his government and of his peace, there will be no end. On the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. As kingdom, the glory of this child is his kingdom will not end. 
When did that kingdom begin? Well, the kingdom begins with his, with his baptism, with his birth, with the announcement. It is the kingdom that is and yet future. It began with the coming of Christ, and right now, where is he? Seated on a throne. Whose? God's throne, right? Seated beside the Father, waiting for what? Until all his enemies have become his footstool. One day, he will sit on a throne here. Right now, he sits on a throne in heaven, waiting for that day, for that time in which he will return. So we see all these promises. Mary's kind of blown away. What's the point of it all? God has a plan. God has a plan. Here's how that plan looks. Here's what the child's going to do. Here's what you're going to do. Now, Mary goes back to this whole... Mary has not left the announcement that she's going to have a baby. The angel lost her right there. Just like it would have lost you. You're betrothed to a man. You're going to have a baby. And then he goes on, talks about all the stuff. Now, yes, she was there. I'm not sure that she was getting it. Why? What's the next question? How is that going to happen seeing that I am a virgin? I have not been with a man. How am I going to have a baby? How am I going to have a baby? How can these things be? Have you ever had that same question, guys? Do you have that question about God's plan for your life? You experience something, something's going on in your life, maybe a disappointment, maybe something hasn't worked out like you thought, and you're looking at it and you're saying, how can this be? How can this be your plan, God? How does this work out? I don't understand how it's all going to come together. Because that's exactly the question that Mary has. This is God's plan? How? How's it going to work? Well, we come into the second point. God accomplishes His plan, how? Through His power. God is able. Look what it says in verse 35. The angel answered her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. Something special about this. When when the scripture says these two things, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Both those words are words of creation not sexual intercourse. It's creation. Just like the same thing that happened in Genesis chapter 1. The Spirit hovered over the waters of the deep. What was going on in Genesis 1? And God said what? Let there be light. And what happened? There was light. Okay, so we come, we see the creation. It's all terms that refer back to creation. So what's going to happen? The Holy Spirit is going to come upon her. The Most High will overshadow her. God is going to create a baby in her womb who is going to grow just like every baby before except without the seed of a man. Is God able to, has God ever done that before? You guys have read Genesis, right? And he said, uh, he took the clay of the earth and he molded it into man, made a little, well, a big dirt clod. <laughs> and he came down and breathed life into him. Come on, if God can do that, how hard is it for him to put a baby inside of a woman's body? To use her egg and fertilize that egg through the word of his power. He speaks and it happens. These are the words that God, this is what these words are referring to. Creation. So this child will be holy. Why is he going to be holy? 
Because there's never been a baby like this. You guys tracking? He's going to be called the Son of the Most High. Why? Because he's going to be God in the flesh. God in the flesh, born in a woman. And behold, your relative Elizabeth, in her old age, has also conceived a son. And this is the sixth month with her, who was called barren. For nothing will be impossible with God. So Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. The power of God. Three things I want you to see. One, what's God going to do? He's going to create a child in your womb, Mary. God's going to create it. Two, what God has already done. He just did the same thing for Elizabeth. Elizabeth who was barren, who could not have children. Elizabeth, God calls the dead to life. No? He has the power. He's saying, look what God has already done. Why? Because nothing's impossible with God. Once you put God in the equation, no longer is impossible part of the word. It can't be an adjective used to describe the action. There's nothing impossible for God. God is able to do all things. What's the third thing we see in this great power of God? We see the plan of God, this incredible power of God, and we see the peace that we got to have. Here's the peace that you got to have. Behold, I am your servant. What did Mary just do? She just surrendered to his plan and his power. Behold, I'm your servant. May it be to me as you have said. You have this beautiful picture of surrender when this woman who can't even fully understand the things she's going to suffer for her whole life. She's going to be called a tramp forever. She's going to go back to her husband after three months with Elizabeth with child. You don't think her husband's going to say, You didn't leave that way. What kind of ridicule is she going to face from the town she's from, Nazareth? What are all the people going to say about her? What are the things that she's going to suffer? Not only through that, all the way through to the birth, watching her child grow, knowing who he is, and wondering if the people are going to understand, and not totally understanding the fact that he came to die. What was she going to feel standing at the cross with the blood of her son dripping in her face? Nevertheless, she said, I'm yours. Do what you will. What's Jesus say in the tomb? Or what's Jesus say in the Garden of Gethsemane? Same thing, no? I'm yours. Do what you will. What do we need to say? What needs to be our attitude when we look at the plans and the power of God? We know that nothing's impossible. God can do anything. And then we look at the plans of God, and, and sometimes, here's the other place where we struggle. Plans, Jackie, what plans? I don't see no plans. Well, let me tell you, whatever's happening in your life, that's God. Oh, it can't be. Sorry. Read the Bible. It'll change your life. <laughs> Read it. Uh, you know, this is not an uncommon story. Right? People, God enters into people's lives, things are a little crazy, and it's not the way they thought, but God has the power to do what He promised to do, and what do they all have to come to? In order for them to be the great heroes of the Word of God, where do they come to? I'm yours. 
Do what you will. Behold the servant. She uses the word doulos. I'm your slave. I'm your slave. And doulos was the only word for slave by someone who could choose. If you chose a life of slavery, you, could be, you would be called a doulos. Bond slave. Peter's going to use it. Paul's going to use it. All the writers of the New Testament are going to use it in one shape or another. Doulos. Behold, I'm yours. Do what you will. I'm yours. Do what you will. I'm yours. Do what you will. That's so important when we see the plan of God coupled with the power of God. And we want to move from the place where we recognize the plan and power of God to the place of worship. That part, that part in between, in order to get to worship, that part in between requires me to say that I'm yours. Do what you will. Yeah. Required. We can fight it. Right? We can fight it. There's a guy who fought with God, wasn't there? He wrestled. How'd that turn out? <laughs> I, I, let me tell you how it turned out. It turned out with this phrase. I'm yours. Do what you will. God's going to win. Whether or not you're lame at the time when that happens or not depends on you. I love that Mary does this, man. That's why, that's one of the things that is so amazing about Mary. Because she just, she hears all this stuff. And, I, you know, like I said, I don't think she totally gets what it's all going to mean. But, man, she's like, that's it. I surrender. Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. I am yours. So what happens next? We see Elizabeth delighting in the promise of God, the beginning of worship for Elizabeth. Look at it. It says, In those days Mary arose and went with haste into the hill country to a town in Judah. She entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. And when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, the baby leapt in her womb. And Elizabeth was, what's the next phrase? Filled with the Holy Spirit. Man, that's pretty awesome. That's pretty awesome. Why is that so awesome? Because the child in her womb's already been filled. Right? We, we looked at that last week. That child full of the Holy Spirit from conception in the womb. That's a prophet. Man, that's a capital P prophet right there. That's the real deal. Jesus is going to say, of all those born of women, none is greater than John the Baptist. That's pretty incredible, right? So we see this, this woman filled with the Holy Spirit as soon as Mary walks in. Now she's just heard the word. But the moment she heard the word, listen, the moment she heard the word, please hear, when God said, let there be light, what happened? Did light sit around for a while and say, you know, well, I'm going to answer him eventually. That's what my kids do. <clears throat> when I call my kids, when they, when they used to live with me, now they could care less. But when I, when I would call my kids, and they'd hear me, and they would shout from their room, What? Uh, uh. My blood pressure would rise. <laughs> so I had this talk with my boys a lot. Look, it's just like when God said, let there be light. When I call your name, I want light to appear. <laughs> Not shout at me from their room. So when the Lord said, hey, you're going to have a child, what happened? Boom. She comes walking in to see Elizabeth. 
She's not showing yet. She's probably in her head. She's going, well, I had this crazy meeting with an angel, but she comes walking in. Is there any doubt after she walks in? Elizabeth's filled with the Holy Spirit. The baby leaps for joy. And Elizabeth exclaimed with a loud cry. You guys, we have no concept for Middle Eastern emotion. You see two people in the Middle East talking, you will swear they're having a fight on the corner. She exclaimed with a loud cry, Blessed are you among women, blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why is this granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? Now, you will say, how does she know? Well, let me tell you, she's full of the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit knows. So she just proclaims, oh man, the Lord is here in your womb. Incredible. It's such an incredible miracle that has taken place. For behold, when the sound of your greeting came to my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. Man, that's awesome. And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. Do you hear what it said? Blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment. That means Mary, when Mary said, I'm yours, she walked away believing it's going to be what God said it was going to be. And so she goes and sees Elizabeth, and Elizabeth says, man, it is how God said. You're carrying the Messiah. The fruit of your womb is Kyrios. Kyrios, that's the word she uses. Why is this granted to me that the mother of my Lord, Kyrios? Kyrios is used in the New Testament anytime the proper name of God is used. Yahweh. Every time that's used, it's the word in the New Testament, it's the word Kyrios. In the Old Testament, remember we talked about capital L-O-R-D? This is the New Testament version of that, the divine name of God. So blessed is she who believed. She believed. She surrendered. She trusted. So then we look at, look at, then we have the Magnificat. Mary's worship proceeds out of that fulfillment. Verse 46, Mary said, my soul magnify, I have to, I almost have to say it in King James. My soul doth magnify the Lord. I, I just hear it in my head. Some, you know how some things are, well, not probably for some of you guys. I'm old. Back in the olden days, it was all King James. So everything was the these and the thous. And, the, and so that's how I hear some of them still in my head. My soul doth magnify the Lord. Man, she, she's glorifying in Him. She's going to rejoice. But what does she rejoice? She rejoices because she's having a child. She rejoices because... She, no, what she, she says, I rejoice in God, my Savior. Oh. Just a little side note. Why would Mary need a Savior if she didn't have any sins? Oh, where did the Bible say she didn't have any sins? It didn't. She said, I rejoice in God my Savior. There is a doctrine that floats out in among some of our Catholic friends. It says Mary was sinless. That's not in Scripture. She rejoices over God, her Savior. She's going to be saved the same way we are. Rejoices in her Lord. Rejoices in salvation. Look at 48. For he looked on the humble estate of his servant. What did the Bible say? If you humble yourself, he will. 
Yeah, He's going to lift you up. If you humble yourself, He will lift you up. If we would get over all these pride issues in our life and stop battling with the pride, lay our pride down and humble ourselves. Humble yourself. Surrender. Humble yourself. Surrender. And He will lift you up. Stop trying to exalt yourself. That's not going to work. Humble yourself in the sight of the Lord. He looked on the humble estate of His servant. For behold, from now on, all generations will call me blessed. That is called being exalted. Who is she exalted by? The Lord. She's not exalting herself. She don't have the power. But God is. All generations will call me blessed. What's another way of looking at it? From humility to exaltation, she is highly favored. Highly favored. Verse 49. For who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name, and his mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. For he has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. He has filled the hungry with good things and the rich he sent away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and to his offspring forever. She starts this praise remembering who God is. He's mighty, he's holy, he's merciful. She knows who he is. Mighty, holy, merciful. And then she moves from who he is to what he's done. Look at it all. He's done great things. He's shown his strength. He scatters the proud. He brought down the mighty. He exalted the humble. He filled the hungry. He sent away the rich empty. He has helped his servant Israel. Don't miss the last one. He is Speaking again. 400 years. No word from God. He has in these last days spoken to us by His Son. The last thing God has to say has begun. It's being laid out before us and she moves to praise. She recognized the plan of God, the power of God. Elizabeth celebrated the promises of God. Wow, look at this. Here comes the Lord. It's fulfilled. And Mary moves into praise. But that movement, guys, hinders on that one phrase to me. That one phrase. Behold the servant of the Lord. I am yours. I am yours. And that's where the rubber meets the road this morning. That's where the rubber meets the road for us. Being able to say that phrase. Being able to do that. Being able to bow the knee. Being able to surrender. Find me somebody in the Bible who didn't have to do it. Paul was so high and mighty, wiping out the church, until one day he meets God. And where did he find himself? On his knees. Saying what? I am yours. Every one of the disciples. They don't have their moment. What about Peter? Having a meal with Jesus out on the beach after the resurrection, after he denied him three times. What is it that Peter is saying in that meal? I am yours. Man, if we want to be able to move from the comprehension of the plan and power of God 
to see that praise erupt in our life, just like it did with Mary, it requires that same phrase, I am yours. Well, it stops us. Two things spoken about all throughout the Word of God. Two things stop us. One, pride. The big killer. Pride, 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 pride. Every time I'm... Just so you know, every time... I won't say it for you. I will. But, but I'll say it for me. Every time I'm offended, it's my pride bent. You decide for yourself. For me, personally, every time I'm offended, every time I get mad, every time I get frustrated about what somebody said or somebody did, it has offended my pride. And it's God just showing me. Still got some pride there, brother. What does God want me to do with it? Listen, the scripture says to mortify your flesh. You know what that means? Mortification is about as strong a word as you can use. Crucify. Abolish. Destroy. Wipe it out. So pride stops us from being able to say, I am yours. Because then I find myself arguing with God. God, do you know what they did? Weren't you watching? Weren't you paying attention? Now, now I have transferred my frustration from whoever offended my pride to the Lord. I don't know, God, where are you? God, what's going on? God, why did this happen, Lord? And some of those things are hurtful and hard. I'm with you. The second thing that stops us, fear. I'm afraid. I'm afraid of the storm. I'm afraid of the wind. I'm afraid of the waves, just like Peter, right? I'm going with God. It's all good. I get afraid. What happens? Bloop. I get afraid. Pride and fear, pride and fear. I, I don't know, guys, maybe the word's just for me, but I got to deal with my pride every stinking day. And I got to deal with my fear every day. And I have to make the conscious choice that says, I'm going to kneel before the Lord today and say, I am yours. And I, gotta, I can't just do that one time. I'm extra broke. Welcome to the first church of the broken. I, I, I got to do it all the time. I die daily. I got to come to that place where I'm willing to say, this is God's plan. I don't like it, Lord. I, I don't, I, I, okay, that's fine. That's what prayer's for. I can take all my requests and lay them out before the Lord and tell them how I don't like the plan. But at the end of the prayer, where does it need to end? I am yours. Do with me as you will. The next thing that happens in Mary's life, her Magnificat that we just read, is the purest form of worship I've ever seen in my life. And when that surrender happens, you can enter into the purest form of worship in your life. Not singing a song, not quoting poetry, just your life lived out for God being a picture 
of pure worship to him. He's got a plan. He's got the power to do it. We need to submit and worship will happen. Amen? Why don't you stand with me and let's pray. Father God, we come to you this morning, Lord Jesus. I just pray, God, that your, your spirit would be working and moving in our lives. I know there's a lot of us in here who are dealing with different things. But I, but I know there are many people dealing with frustration and hurt at God's plan. God's plan for their lives that, that uh, didn't turn out how they thought. Their marriage didn't happen the way they thought it was going to. Raising children didn't happen the way they thought. Their lives of their grandchildren didn't happen like they thought it should. All throughout our lives we see these things that, that can cause us in our faith to take a left or a right or <coughs> to get afraid or prideful. But God, you're beckoning us to just trust you. To take a knee before the God of the universe and believe you have these things in your hands, Lord. And I'm just going to trust you. I just need to hold on to your hand. And you're going to do what you're going to do. And and maybe it's not going to look like I think. Maybe this incredible blessing of this child born to me is going to be a sword that pierces my very spirit. Maybe maybe the gossip of all the people talking about that which I have surrendered for the Lord is going to cause me to, to want to be vindicated before the masses. I don't know. I just know this. One of the most beautiful pictures of submission we just looked at. With a with a little girl, probably teenage, bowing her knee before her Savior and saying, I'm yours. Do what you will. God, I just pray that that could be our heart, that we can recognize there's a purpose to our pain. It matters to God. It's not just happenstance. It's not just random. It's real. God is doing something. God is working something. And, and I, he just wants me to bow my knee and trust him, God. And <clears throat> Man, I remember going to the beach, Lord, and I just sit there and look at it. Sometimes and waves were so big and so scary, and they're so powerful. Help us not be afraid. Help us not be prideful. Help us be humble, submit to you, and watch worship blossom in our lives. That we might be transformed by the renewing of our mind. That we might prove what is a good and perfect will of God. Lord, I pray that you move in this place. 
that you do your perfect work in and through us. In Jesus' name, amen.